Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The ones who are studying the Word of God, the ones who are growing, and amongst you, find somebody within the crowd who is qualified to serve the tables. Well, what's the qualification? You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Let's start there. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Well, how's your reputation? You got a good reputation? A good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit. You're qualified. You're qualified. There you go. But I, I don't have any Bible college training. Well, you don't need it. Pastor James answers the question, what is required to serve the Lord? It's easy to excuse your involvement due to a lack of knowledge or because you're a new believer. But in today's message, you'll learn that you only need to be filled with the Spirit and have a good reputation. If you're new to a church and have yet to accept Christ, it's not the right time to serve. Or perhaps you've made some poor mistakes in the past. Work to improve your standing, and then it'll be time to help. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 5 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Six is where we're at today. Praise God, we're walking through this book together. I don't know about you guys, but you've been reading the book of Acts. Maybe if you started and you're reading it, you know, one chapter a day and all that good stuff. Today, if you were doing it like every day and all that, today would be the day that you probably completed the book of Acts. If you're like me, you've gotten a little behind, okay? Um, so I'm not in a rush. I'm not, this isn't, I'm, we're, listen, we're not going to go around each person and say, okay, you read it, right? Um, no, um, not at all. But the point of it is, is as a church body that we're just reading through the Word together. And as we go through the book of Acts, we find that, man, the, the Lord just kind of knows how to speak to us where we're at. Just so you understand, I don't plan out my services and my messages in advance. Now, that doesn't mean I don't study, so don't take that the wrong way, because I study a lot. I don't have a calendar that says, okay, I'm doing Acts chapter, this chapter on this day and all that stuff. I don't do that, okay? I, I know a lot of guys that do that, sweet. If they can do that, cool, that's great. I know we're gonna be going through the book of Acts. I know probably we're not gonna get through Acts chapter six today. I know that much. Holy Spirit can say something else and do something else. It's his show. It's his show, okay? Um, all I know is that it just seems so coincidental that every time we pick a book and we're going through it, it's like the Lord is just hitting us right where we need it. I don't know your business. I'm not reading your mail, okay? So if you get offended by something that I say because maybe the Lord's dealing with you on something, you take it up with him, okay? Because I don't know your business. Like, all I'm doing is studying and I'm getting worked on just like you are, okay? I got to go all week with it, right? At least you just get Sunday. Um, man, I've been like getting pounded this week and I'm just like, all right, it's time to dish this out. Um, so... This is just where we're at. It's just fascinating. It's his word. It's alive. It's active. It's sharp. I mean, it, it just does what it does best. And that's why when you show up, we're just going to keep opening up the word and we're just going to keep going through it. And, and I would expect that whether it's the book of Acts or the book of Leviticus, he knows how to show up and just, boom, hit us right where we need it. Okay? Acts chapter 6 is where we find uh, some more issues, a little bit of, I would say, drama within the church, okay? Now, just so you understand, this is the first church. 
It's not perfect. It's not without its, uh, its own issues and all that good stuff. And we need to remember that we are dealing with a mega church, a mega church. A lot of times people get it in their heads of like, man, we need to be like the first century church and all that good stuff. Well, let's not forget that they had 10,000 plus people going to church, okay? 10,000 plus people were a part of this church. You got more than 10 people, you're going to have issues, okay? I'm going to tell you that. Even you got 10 people, you're going to have issues. I mean, something's going to come up. But if even if it was just me, I'm going to have issues because like, I got issues with myself. So this is a mega church that we're dealing with. And I am absolutely surprised that they haven't had more issues already, okay? So first off, I want to say that. Second thing I want to start this off with is this. When it comes to God's economics, okay, we've been walking through the book of Acts together. We know that God is in the, he's in the business of addition, okay, adding souls to the church who are being saved. He's into subtraction. We saw that in the last chapter. He subtracted two people out of the church, okay, which was frightening for all of us. Um, Praise God, he's only done that once in the history of the church, as far as we know. But he took out Ananias and Sapphira. So he's into subtraction as well. Well, what happened as a result of that subtraction? Multiplication. Multiplication. We understand how that works sometimes, especially if you've ever been around or you've been a part of a church for any, any matter of time. I was a youth pastor for, I don't know, too long, 13 years, um, something like that. And I saw that all the time. I'd have a good group of kids come in. I'm like, oh, this is sweet. These are the best group of kids. And then they graduate and they leave me. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? They're leaving. They're being subtracted out. And then how is it? And then this awesome group comes in and takes their place. And the group, and the group grows beyond that. So that's kind of how it works at times. The Lord can remove some people. And we think, how's, how's it ever going to make it? Because now they're gone. And then lo and behold, it's like, wow, where'd all these people come from? Um, we've been going through that as a church our, ourselves. So he's, he's, he also is in the business of multiplication. And that's where we're at today as well. What he is not in the business of is division. Okay? Division in the church is a work of Satan. I'm going to tell you that right now. Division in the church is a work of man and Satan. God is not in the business of division, especially when it comes to his body. He is not in the business of division. What we will see today is the enemy is trying to get into the church again to divide it, to divide it. God's not in the business of that, and God's not going to have any of that, okay? So just so we know that from the very beginning, and I know there's, man, you name it. I mean, you go through church history, there's been church splits and schisms and all that stuff, the Lord's not into that. He's not into dividing out his body. What he's into is what we read in our scripture reference, one body, one body. So let's look at this. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. Now, in those days when the number of disciples was what? Multiplying, okay? Let me just stop right there because I, I want you to pay attention to some terms that are being used here. Some would say that disciples are interchangeable with believers, and I would agree with that to an extent, but I also understand that the term disciples is being used, and I want to clarify on that, because it's not that people are being added to the church or that souls are being added to to the church or anything like that. That's been happening, but what you have as a result of that is disciples are multiplying. Any goal of the church should be this right here or goal of any church should be that disciples are being, are multiplying. What's a disciple? A disciple is a student. That's simple. It's, it's that simple. Um, a disciple is a student, and 
primarily here we're talking about a student of the word and, and somebody who is willing to sit at the feet, so to speak, of the, of the teacher, uh, open up the word, study the word for yourself and, and grow in your knowledge and understanding of the word and in your relationship with the Lord. It's, it's a maturing kind of a thing. So it's not just like believers, but it's disciples. The disciples are now multiplying. That's what you want to happen. So in this mega church, disciples are multiplying. That's awesome. However, there's a problem. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Okay, so let me clarify that uh, in case you don't know. Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews, all right? So the Hebrews would be more the traditional ones. The Hellenists were looked as lesser because they were influenced by the culture of the Greek culture, and um, they, weren't, they weren't seen as like as good by the other Hebrews. You understand what I'm saying? Welcome to the church world, right? You got some people who are like, well, you don't dress like you're supposed to dress. So clearly you're not as spiritual or religious as I am. And I'm like, well, praise God for that, okay? Or you don't talk like I talk, so you're not. This was the issue going on. These guys who were the traditional Jews, and then you had these other guys who were Jews, but they were influenced by the culture, and the, the, more specifically, the Greek culture, and these guys didn't like these guys because these guys are sellouts. These guys are the purest. These guys are the compromisers. And you're not as spiritual as we are. So there was a division that was already present within the church world, so to speak. But now it's really working its way into the church. So this complaint arises against the traditional, the Hebrews, the ones who purely, they spoke Aramaic and all that good stuff. They're the traditional ones. By the Hellenists, because the Hellenists feel like, hey, we're being neglected. You're not taking care of us like you should. So here it goes on to say, just to clarify that, because their widows, the Hellenists, their widows, were neglected in the daily distribution. So what's the daily distribution? The daily distribution could be that of bread or money, okay? Because you got to remember, with this new thing called the church, people were probably losing their jobs. People were, you know, if you became a Christian, you identify yourself as a Christian, there's a good chance you were losing out on funds. Uh, maybe divorces were happening. You got to think, take that into consideration as well. People were hurting, so to speak, whether it be they didn't have food to eat or they didn't have the money to purchase the food. The church is growing and people are pitching in and all that good stuff. You have to administer that stuff. So the apostles were the ones who were doing that. But as they delegated that out, people were saying, well, they're getting more than what we're getting. And that's not fair. And it's not fair. This is, an, a, this is a legit complaint. This is a real problem that was happening in the church. Here's my issue with it. Here's the problem. If there's a problem in the church, you make it known, right? If it's a legit problem, you make it known. You tell something. You tell the leadership saying like, man, um, listen, I noticed that maybe, maybe you feel like you're not being taken care of. Okay, I get it. The problem in this story is the murmuring and the complaining that was going on. Because it's one thing to like, yeah, listen, no church is going to be perfect. And there's even in a church like ours, I mean, there's going to be, we're going to drop the ball on something. And, it's, and, it, and if, it, if that happens, then by all means, let it be known. What you can't do is go around and murmur and complain about it. You can't do that. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. And let me remind you of what I was reminded of this week. Just a, a nice little cross-reference here. Proverbs chapter 6. 
Proverbs chapter 6 tells us this, starting in verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Hates, okay? I want you to get that. There are some things that God absolutely despises. Absolutely despises. And it goes on to say, yes, seven are an abomination to him. An abomination to him. A proud look or a haughty look. You know, that person that's just walking around like, you know, hey, you know I got it all figured out. I'm, you know, there's some sort of a big deal or whatever. It speaks of a heart condition, just pride and all that good stuff. A proud look. A lying tongue. He hates that. Hands that shed innocent blood. He hates that. He, it's abominable to him. He hates that. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Right? So like something evil is going on and you're like, I'm on my way there so I can join in and participate. It kind of sums up my whole high school experience to a certain extent. We were always running to evil. Always. Feet that are running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And look at the last thing there. One who sows discord among the brethren. What we have in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 6 is with all the murmuring and complaining, See, the enemy was looking to get in there and sow discord within the body. And we need to be reminded of the fact that God absolutely hates that. Don't miss that. Do not forget that. Do not forget that. If there's a problem in it, you know, if your needs aren't being met in the body and all that good stuff, I get it, I understand, address it, you know, and all that good stuff, but ultimately, move on, right? Like, okay, well, let's trust the leadership to handle it. What's happening in the story is they're not trusting the leadership, which means what? You don't trust God. You don't trust God. And the enemy is like, and we know, we've already, we've been walking through this together. We see that he's using persecution to try to destroy this thing called the church. And then he uses hypocrisy to try to destroy this thing called the church. And that wasn't working. Then he, he amped up the persecution and the apostles all just got beat and they were, went back to meeting together and they're all singing and dancing because they got beat for Jesus. And what? The church is growing like crazy because of that. And now the enemy is still active. He's still on the prowl and he's still looking a way to get in there. So I I can't get it. So hypocrisy didn't work. And it's not that he stopped trying to use that. But now he's like, okay, I'm going to get in and let's just create some family drama. Let's create some family drama. You know, yeah, this is a real issue. It was an issue before they even became a church. And so the enemy is going to use that but more specifically, yeah, there's a, a schism that was already there, the Hellenist and the Jews, but he's going to use murmuring and complaining to try to bring this thing down. Lots of churches have been brought down because of that. They've been brought down because of that. And for whatever reason, we don't think gossip's that big of a deal. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's a major issue within the church. And it's sin. Well, it's not as bad as other sins. No, it is. It is. And so what you have is like, okay, there's a need that's there. Okay, bring it to the leadership and trust that God has placed the leadership in, in, that, in that position and that they're going to handle it. Well, what if they don't handle it? Well, let God deal with those people. Let them take care of it. It's his business. It's not yours. It's not yours. should hold them accountable. Well, yeah, Absolutely. We did a pastor appreciation, and there was a very lovely verse shared about pastors. And yeah, guess what? There's no verse in the Bible that I fear the most than from James that says, listen, you're a teacher of the word. 
You're going to be held to a higher standard of accountability. You understand that that is constantly on the forefront of my brain and my heart. Because I know I will stand before the Lord Jesus and he says, let's talk about that church that I put you in, in place to pastor and to shepherd. Let's talk about it. I know full well that. And I know there's going to be some things where he's like, I got some issues. And I'm like, I know, you probably do. There are probably many. I'm sorry. I, I understand that. And that's why I surround myself with accountability. It's, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. But you have to trust. And that's the thing is like the, the question that we as a church need to, number one, we have to ask ourselves is, do we trust the Lord? Do we trust the Lord? And if you trust the Lord, then it's like, okay, but do you trust the leadership that he's called and he's put in place there? Do you trust? No, I don't. Okay, then find somewhere else to go where you do trust him. This is something that the enemy is going to use to try to bring this brand new thing down. And it's like, come on. The Lord called these people, these men, to be in charge of this thing. Did he put them there? Yeah, he did. Okay, then you need to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Are they going to be perfect? Not at all. Are they going to make mistakes? Oh, more than what you'll ever even know. Let God, God's going to handle it though. He's going to handle it. Do you trust him? Look at the wisdom that these guys have. This is amazing. So you got all this stuff and it's, you can understand, I mean, the, the murmuring, it's, it's growing and it's, it's all that stuff. These guys are going to squash this. Verse two, then the 12, this is the apostles, summon the multitude of what? The multitude of disciples. How do you fix these problems? Well, you need disciples. You need disciples. You got issues in the church, you need disciples in the church to be a part of the solution. My motto in life, you can either be a part of the problem or you can be a part of the solution. There you go, okay? There you go. Part of the problem, part of the solution. That's it. It's as simple as that. So the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples, which is growing, and they said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So this is, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I take this as like, number one, this is a hard passage for me. And I'll explain that in a second. But here's the, the apostles, and they're like, listen, we are committed to teaching the Bible. We're committed to teaching the word and to praying. There's issues over here, and yeah, okay, well, somebody's got to administer the tables. We can't leave this and go and do this too. You're all disciples. Get to work. Figure it out. Figure it out. What you don't want is for the leaders of the church to have to step away from the word of God so that they can go and do this stuff. Is it lesser things? No, it's not. But you can't demand everything from one person. You can't do that. That's illogical. It's not even healthy. That's not healthy. So when it comes to a pastor, a pastor is never above sweeping floors, cleaning toilets, setting out chairs, right? Pastor is not above that. And pastor should never be above that. I should, let me say that. And I would hope a, a good pastor is never, ever above that. But if he's having to do it all the time because nobody else in the body will step up to do it, then we have an issue. And the issue is not with the pastor. The issue is with the people. The issue is with the people. So here's the apostle saying, like, listen, we're committed to teaching the word and to praying. Like, this is what we have been called to do this thing. So if there's an issue over here with the tables and the administering and all that stuff, then by all means, knock yourself out. Here's what they do. I, I love this. This is really cool. So it's not desirable that we should leave the, the word and serve tables, and not because they're, again, not because they're above it. They're not above it, but they're giving themselves to the better thing 
and what the church needs the most at that moment. And that's the word of God, okay? So here's the solution. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you, from among yourselves, the sea of disciples, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Here's the qualification for it. It's like, all right, well, um, so amongst yourselves, find qualified individuals who know how to take care of this problem. From, from amongst the disciples, find individuals. Now, the number seven, why the number seven? I know the number seven has significance and all that stuff, and, and culturally it has significance too. So in the Jewish culture, you know, if you were going to start something, seven men were, were really required for that. Now understand, there's terms that are going to be used within there, speaking of deacons. It doesn't call these people deacons. I hope you understand that. They are an illustration of what deacons are in the church, and deacon is just servant. That's all that means, okay? So if you're walking around with a cool little name tag and you feel like, I'm a deacon, yeah, well, you're a servant. That's all that means. Um, we're all should be deacons, uh, technically, deacons and deaconesses, okay? We should all be servants within the church. There is a problem that's within the church. It's a temporary problem that needs a temporary solution, so to speak. So these guys are going to step up within the group, within the disciples, the ones who are studying the Word of God, the ones who are growing, and amongst you, find somebody within the crowd who is qualified to serve the tables. Well, what's the qualification? You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Let's start there. Be full of the Holy Spirit. Well, how's your reputation? You got a good reputation? A good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit. You're qualified. You're qualified. There you go. But I, I don't have any Bible college training. Well, you don't need it. But I'm not. I just got saved. You full of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I think so. All right, sweet. Get to work. <laughs> get, get to work. Well, no, you should wait. You should let people. No, 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 no. No. I'm sorry. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you studying the Word of God? Are you growing in your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Sweet. Qualified. Get to work. Serve some tables. What, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are we waiting for? No, see, there's a problem, so we're either part of the problem, we're part of the problem, we're part of the solution. I love that the, the apostles are going to be, the way that they figure it out is they say, okay, well, we can't serve the tables, and we're not going to be the ones who go out and try to find the qualified individuals. You, as disciples, should find the qualified individuals. And that's kind of how it should work, even within modern churches. If you serve within children's ministry, Look for qualified individuals to help out in children's ministry. If you're a greeter, look for qualified individuals to help out with greeting. If you do this, if you do that, I mean, you name it. Look for individuals who are qualified to serve. That's on you. That's on you. If you're waiting for this guy to put every single person in place where they need to be put, you're going to be waiting for a long time because I can't do it all. And that's not my job. That's not my job. That's not the leadership of the church's job. Our job, let's say you're, you're mingling, you're having fellowship meal afterwards, and you're like, man, I just learned from so-and-so that, man, they seem really gifted here, and they got this passion, and you know, they love the Lord, and all that good stuff. I think they'd be great here. Sweet, sweet. Let's pray about that. And then we'll, then we'll lay hands on them and put them into service. The hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken, broken.
You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken.